You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Back together again for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is we head into the division matchup that will have a lot to say about the Bengals' hopes for, well, the playoffs and winning the division. Before we get there, Joe Bacci, as we all know, tore his ACL. He is done for the year. The Bengals made some roster moves. They made that official. He's on the IR. And in his place, they've called up from the practice squad, Keandre Jones, linebacker that's been up off the practice squad for the last couple of weeks, I believe, playing special teams primarily. And he is now the primary backup. They also backfilled his spot on the practice squad with another linebacker, Cincinnati kid. James, you have the name. Oh, I look at you tossing to me there. That's how you toss. A hell of a toss. No, I, I'll pull up the name, though, because I have the roster moves in my inbox. Uh, to Gray Scales. He's a Coleraine High School alum and uh, went to Indiana University. He's been on a bunch of different NFL teams, uh, appeared in four games for the Steelers last season. But he's been on the Colts. He's been on the Buccaneers. He's been on the Browns. He signed with the Rams as an undrafted free agent. So uh, to Gray Scales is your, your newest linebacker on the practice squad. A lot of new faces at linebacker, Jake, over the past few months. Weeks I know he, he also spent some time in the CFL. I remembered all of this about him, and I didn't remember his name, unfortunately. But uh, he'll be on the practice squad. So what does it mean, James? It means that your first two linebackers are still probably okay. Jermaine Pratt's been having his best year in the NFL. Regardless of what PFF thinks, his play has taken a step up. And it hasn't been perfect. There are still mistakes, but he's been better this year. Marcus Bailey came in for Joe Bacci yesterday or not yesterday on Sunday played pretty well past those two guys. I don't think there's another Joe Bacci in reserve. Joe Bacci was a guy that in the preseason had his moment for sure. And what I said about him previously, when we talked about him was if he gets his mentals, right, he can be okay for you. And he had been okay for them. And now the depth is just worse. It, it just, there is no depth really at this point when you lose three, four guys at a position it's going to be rough, and that's where the Bengals are. Yep. So it's pretty simple. Hopefully, Jermaine Pratt can stay healthy. Hopefully, Marcus Bailey can stay healthy. And, and I'm going to be honest, I, uh, I'm i curious. I didn't look at everybody's PFF score, and I certainly didn't look at what they had for Jermaine Pratt. Did they rip Pratt or something? He, he didn't have a great game, according to PFF. And Mike and I are Mike PFF or not PFF, Mike at Bengals underscore Sands in our film review episode yesterday talked a little bit about one of Pratt's most impressive plays, but we agreed that thought he had a pretty good game. And so I I don't really know where the negatives came from for him, but that is for PFF to decide and for us to not know. Yeah, that's fine. Who cares? I don't give a damn. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the highest score or whatever. Like it's, it's a good tool. It's a, but sometimes it's wrong. And I'll say this, Bengals love what Jermaine Pratt's given them. And so if if they get that, that effort and that everything, because he's now the uh, the one with the green dot, he's the one communicating and everything like that, they'll take it, sign them up for the next three weeks. I think Marcus Bailey showed a little bit, and I agree with you. I don't think it's a huge drop-off there. I think there's a chance he would have ended up starting anyway at some point 
and, and being that second linebacker. And so those two guys fine with comfortable with, and, uh, and that says something about Marcus Bailey. Now, you know, seventh round guy slowly making his way in. And, and you look at this linebacking core moving forward and it probably won't be this way this year at any point, barring something unforeseen from Logan Wilson, but Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Marcus Bailey, Akeem Davis Gaither. It's a good quartet, Jake Lisko. So, uh, yeah, depth certainly an issue, but uh, the top two, good enough. And there's three games left. Find a way. And uh, I think that's where the, the Bengals are right now, is they're, they're going to have to try to find a way over these next three weeks. I think there's a little bit of matchup-specific concern that I have. Like, I think they're fine players against generic NFL team. Against the Denver Broncos, I think Jermaine Pratt and, and Marcus Bailey are fine. That's not a terribly threatening offense they don't do anything that's you know terribly unique I would say the offenses they face the next three weeks if assuming Lamar Jackson plays this week even if he doesn't Tyler Huntley's shown the ability to run with the football that's where maybe you miss the speed a little bit that Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither gave you I think that you know Jermaine Pratt is a, a fine athlete Marcus Bailey's athleticism I think has been somewhat diminished over his career by his injuries, he's an okay athlete, but Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, I think, are the best athletes the Bengals have at linebacker. They're guys mm. that you would like to have against Lamar Jackson, against Patrick Mahomes to some extent, and then against the Browns offense, which is play action heavy. And and you know, the, just having more experience in that game could be helpful. And 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 dealing with the the way that the Browns like to attack Luana Rumo's defense. So I think there are some like matchup specific things there where yeah, they're okay and, and they should be fine because the defensive line is healthy, which is a very big point and makes mm-hmm. the linebackers look better. And as long as DJ Reader's in the game, as we discussed a little bit on the film review episode, the linebackers are going to probably look okay. But they do have some matchup specific things coming up where you know, maybe you would like to have the rest of the guys and they just have to make do the best they can without them. Yeah. I, I think maybe you do more three safety, you get Von Bell in the box a bit. And, uh, you know, Ricardo Allen saw some snaps anyway, when Von Bell got shaken up and taken off the field a couple times on Sunday against the Broncos. So maybe that's something they do, but no, I agree with you. Obviously there's uh you'd rather have those guys than not. And the Bengals still, I think have their fingers and toes crossed, not this week against the Ravens, but at some point, Double nickel 55, Logan Wilson can come back. But uh, it, to me, it just seems unlikely. I just expect him to be out for the year. And then if he's back, it feels like uh, a bonus. But uh, that's how I view it. I'm not sure exactly if that's how they view it at Paul Brown Stadium. But uh, either way, it's uh, it's a battered linebacking core. And uh, we'll see if they can uh, patch it together. Luana Rumo's done a good job. But uh, up next, Jake, let's dive into the playoff conversation with all the possibilities, all the scenarios, which include Lou Anarumo's defense trying to, to stop Tyler Huntley, who is good, by the way. We're not going to really talk about Tyler Huntley, but you're right. I think he's kind of good. It's weird. He's getting a lot of love this week. But I got to tell you about Super Bowl 56 at SoFi. It's less than 100 days away, and On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package can select your exact seats, choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, get food from the great Wolfgang Puck, and 
five-star Los Angeles hotels. Visit on location exp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's on location exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Certainly something we have to track this week, James, is the status of Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley will play if Jackson can't go. The, the latest I've seen as of 6 p.m. Eastern time or so as we're recording this was a report on the morning of December 21st, which is the day we're recording this, Tuesday morning, that John Harbaugh is hopeful that yeah. Jackson will be able to get back this week. The ankle is getting better. He's hopeful that he'll be able to practice Wednesday when many of you are listening to this. So we'll obviously find out a lot more about the status of Lamar Jackson as practices go on this week. And we'll talk to Kevin in our crossover episode tomorrow to get a feel for if or how the offense changes, which I don't think is very much when Huntley (laughs) comes in for Jackson. But that will be for tomorrow's episode, James. Today, we take a look at the updated playoff odds and Baltimore losing three games in a row. Or is it four games in a row now? No, it's three games in a row. Three. Is not something that I think any of these playoff odds simulators foresaw. <laughs> the Ravens now in the football outsiders model, one percentage point behind the Bengals to get into the playoffs, period, and five percentage points behind the Bengals to win the division. So a couple things here. One, I think the Bengals' easiest path to the playoffs is win the division. I think they either way need to win at least two of their last three games. I don't think winning one more game and nine and eight is going to be enough, but I think any two games gets them in. The best way to get in is with a home game and all they need to do destiny entirely in their hands is beat Baltimore this week and beat Cleveland and Cleveland in week 18, regardless of what happens in any other game. That wins the division. Obviously, you would like for them to win all three or any two of the three. But to me, that is the the clearest cut path. And just beating the Ravens this week moves them up to 75% in the 538 model. But I do Mm -hmm. think they're going to need to win two. I don't think that will be enough on its own. No, it won't. And I mean, I guess it could be if 52 things go their way. But let's be honest. You don't want to bet on 52 things going their way, even at betonline.ag, which is exactly where you should bet. Look, this team, 10 wins. If they get there, they're in. Now, I look at it and I look at these three games and yeah, two of three, I think is realistic. The Browns are a weird matchup for them, but they should beat the Browns. I'm going to say it now. I don't give a damn if everybody's back. Baker is not as good as Joe Burrow. At some point, the better quarterback needs to rise up. I said it before and you know, Burrow and, and the Bengals got their head kicked in. So who knows? Maybe I'm just dead wrong and the Browns just have the Bengals number and whatever. But but th- that uh, that should be a game, given what we know, that the Bengals should win to me. I just – and then this Sunday, they're favored by two and a half, according to betonline.ag. They have the better quarterback. I think that's fair because you're either getting a less than 100% Lamar Jackson – who needs that athleticism or Tyler Huntley, who's yeah, he's been good and certainly exceeded my expectations against the Packers last week, but eh, it's still Tyler Huntley and that matters. It just does. Um, so, so that alone, like you look at it, you're like, all right, well the Bengals, if put it like this, if I'm a locked on Bengals listener 
and thank you for listening. I would expect them to handle business in these two games. Now, knowing what I know about this season, now, the past, the history, all of the stuff that ties into the franchise, all of that, it's like, oh, well, who knows? Maybe maybe the Ravens just find a way, right? Or maybe the, the Browns just roll over them because – but uh, looking at it, I and I think looking at it objectively, two of three in that loss to the – you know, to potential loss to the Chiefs, I think that's realistic. It gets them the division at 10 and 7. It puts them probably at the, the uh, seed they're at right now, the four seed. They'd play whoever that is. Maybe it's the Colts like it is now. I think that's doable. How it is right now – I think it's kind of a realistic expectation for how it should be in three weeks when we uh, when we look at this playoff bracket, so to speak, and see where they stand. And it's interesting to look across the AFC North as well, right? Because you're right, there are some scenarios where they can get some help. I'll say this, on the 538 machine, if I check win against, win against the Baltimore Ravens and loss against the Browns and Chiefs, the, the Bengals' playoff odds go very, very low, which kind of underscores the idea that they need two wins. But you look across yep. the division, and there, there's probably some weird path where they can get it done by just beating Baltimore, just beating Cleveland, but it gets a lot harder. And the reason I say that is the Ravens have to play Green Bay. Oh, sorry. did They, they just lost to Green Bay. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. The yeah, Ravens have to play L.A., the, the Rams and they get to host the Rams. So, you know, they, they have these difficult opponents down the stretch at home. Green Bay was at home. LA is at home. They host the Steelers. Their last road game, in fact, is at Cincinnati this week. The Browns have to go to Green Bay. This is what I was trying to look at. They also on have to Saturday. play Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, Miles Garrett didn't practice or wouldn't have practiced today if they practiced today on their fake injury report today they have to go to pittsburgh and then they get cincinnati to finish the season so the bengals schedule we know the steelers have to go to kansas city they get cleveland and baltimore so every team plays the other divisional opponents they have two division games and they have either kansas city or green bay <laughs> or, or the rams in the case yeah, it's tough of, yeah. of the ravens so all of these teams have very difficult schedules and will beat up on each other so that's where it's like kind of possible where you can see the nine win scenario play out, but in more difficult. likely in more likely in the division, I think, you know, via tiebreaker essentially versus beating all these teams for a wild card at nine and eight. Could you, because I mean, really you, you look at it, could the Browns beat the Bengals, but then lose to the Steelers and lose this week? Well, now they're at eight wins, not nine. And it's not enough. <laughs> and so if the Bengals get to nine, it doesn't matter that they lost twice to the Browns, right? So um, th that's just one path. And we could go through all of them. But, yeah, I, I do think that there's a chance that just because it, because it is a tough schedule, like the Bengals, it's a tough schedule for the Bengals the final three weeks, but they all have tough schedules. And, uh, you know, if you tell me two of the four teams go one and two and then two teams go two and one, you know, just hopefully the Bengals are one of those teams. And and Pittsburgh is a real wild card here, James, because they don't play the Bengals again, but they do play Cleveland and Baltimore. And it would be in the Bengals' benefit if Pittsburgh beat those games for the Bengals in the division. But if the Bengals lose, then suddenly Pittsburgh, with their tie, 
despite having lost two to the Bengals and despite being awful and somehow hanging in against non-Bengals teams this year and winning some games, somehow they're suddenly the AFC North champions. So th- there's a scenario there. Like they get Kansas City this week, and right now Tyran Matthew, not Tyran Matthew, Tyree Kill, Tyree and, Kill, and and Kelsey, I think are both on the COVID list right now. I think you're right. Yep. So I mean, who who knows? What's and, happening and down so the stretch? And COVID is such a big wild card too. To be honest, when, when we look at what's happening around the league right now, it is. And and so two things there. One, you want Kansas City to handle business this week, and then you want to put your Steelers cape on, Bengals fans. As weird as that sounds, and you want them to win those final two because if they lose this week, what, they're getting to what they're at. They're at seven, six, and one. So they'd be at what nine, seven, and one. Am I right? If if the Steelers lose to Kansas City. They'd be nine, seven, and one, and they and they win the next two. So if they've won the next two, yeah, okay. So, but then that puts you in a say. Maybe you want them to split depending on who you beat. Like if you beat the Ravens, then you're okay with the Ravens winning. You know, it's it's tough. You see, now we're getting into the intricacies of because you're right. You don't want them to finish nine, seven, and one if you're only winning one of the next three. And so they really have to. And that's why the playoff odds go bloop and plummet. If they only win one out of the next three, because it's uh, it's going to be uphill battle to to make the wild card, or if that happens and, and they only win one of the next three, one of these AFC North teams they're assuming is going to have the tiebreaker, going to have the edge, even if they only have nine wins. And one of them is going to win two games. the The way it's going to shake out, at least one of them, I think, is going to win two games, and they're all eight and six or seven six and one because the Steelers tie seven the Lions. Seven. Yeah, seven, 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 and one. Honestly, though, it, it, they tied the Lions. The Bengals lost to the Jets. Like that, I know. Could you? No, I'm just saying. If you would have just tied the Jets, how big of an edge it would be. <laughs> Mike White, mm. gonna live in our nightmares. Mike White. Let's uh, let's talk me. about a, a tendency, James, that may or may not be a tendency that this garnered <laughs> some discussion and has to do with the Bengals' decision-making late in games. Is Zach Taylor really showing us that he can win one-score games? Maybe this is just a loud minority on social media, James, but it seems to me there's a sizable amount of Bengals fans that think Zach Taylor's coaching scared. We'll talk about that to wrap up the show today. Speaking of tendencies, I have a tendency to eat Built bars, a lot of built bars, at least one built bar a day. What, what's built bar, you ask? They're the number one protein bar on the planet because while the protein pack, they're low in sugar, they're low in calories, they taste amazing, they're covered in 100% chocolate. Need I say more? They're awesome. And I love them. Jake Lisko loves them. You're going to love them. Everybody's going to love them that hasn't tried them. By, and you can try them right now and you can save money while you do it by going to built.com, see all the delicious flavors that they have to offer. And here's the thing. If you're watching on YouTube, it's just simple. It's a little bar like this. You can throw it in your bag, whatever. And this one is a caramel almond delight. Look, all you got to do is go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You can look at all their different flavors that they have. Load up that cart. And with that promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off. So you could try them. Maybe you want a variety pack. You want to see which ones you like, which ones you prefer. You could do that. But You'll get it right right now. You'll love them. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. Again, save 15% off right now with promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. 
James, one of your big questions earlier this year when we started to talk about, hey, look, Zach Taylor winning some one-score games, and he won a couple of them earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I think on the season now, I think he's three and four in one-score games. And there's a question out there, which is, we asked this in the preseason, does Zach Taylor actually know how to win close games? And does he know how to close out close games? And there have been times, I would say this season, in his defense, that he has gone for the throat in the third quarter, established a big enough lead. And there have been games, we had that stretch of games where the starters didn't finish the game because they didn't need to. So you credit him for for putting the Bengals in those situations. You credit Joe Burrow, certainly, for, for helping to execute the game plan. And there have also been games when Joe Mixon has been enough, or he has iced the game. The running game hasn't been as effective in the last few weeks, but after against the 49ers choosing to run the ball on second down in the red zone, and this week choosing to run the ball on third and eight, people are again asking, does Zach Taylor know how to win close games or is he coaching scared? And I'm presenting this as a bit of a straw man argument because I don't think it's quite as simple, but maybe you do James. And and I'm curious to get your thoughts here. Yeah. I think he's a chick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. I think Zach is, is still learning and he's like, if I had to put it like on a scale, like I think Joe Burrow's ready to win right now and he's still learning. I think Zach's got a really talented team, probably more talented than we realized coming into the year. And he's doing a lot of good things, but he's still learning. It's his first time having a team like this that was actually capable of winning. And so he's still learning. Now, do I think he's scared? No, I don't. I, I don't think he's coaching that way or you know anything like that. Now, being said, we might see that tendency <laughs> Uh, over the next couple of weeks, potentially, depending on what happens now that things are on the line, you can get a little tight. I think he got tight against Green Bay in overtime when they should have won that game. Uh, you can't get tight against the 49ers like he did and then admitted, not that he got tight, but admitted that he he should have thrown the ball. So we do have a couple, couple uh, games and examples there where that happened. But I just think he's more so learning than anything. And hopefully he's learned those lessons and now they can unleash because we, we started this episode with the linebackers, right. And questions there injuries happen. Attrition happens. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tyler Huntley drops 30 on Sunday or the chiefs drop 40 on uh, in week 17 or the Browns go for 40 at first energy stadium. Cause they did it the first time. So this offense is going to have to show up. Zach's going to have to show up. He's going to have to call a good game. And uh, yeah, that means running the ball too, but uh, he's going to have to be aggressive at times, but there is a balance. And I think that's something that uh, he's trying to master. And a lot of these NFL coaches don't have. And it's really hard to do, I think for a number of reasons. One of them is like, if you watch Peyton Manning's detail episode, which everybody should, he, he goes in depth on Joe Burrow. Really good. Really yeah. Good. He, he's fantastic. Obviously he's Peyton Manning. Like he's going to see things that we don't see. Because he's Peyton Manning. He, he's got one of the best football minds of all time. And he's just sitting on a couch talking about the game, putting that brilliance to use. But one of the things that he really talks about is, and, and everyone in the NFL does this, is setting up your shot plays. 
And the Bengals did this in this game where they set up their wide receiver leak that goes to Tyler Boyd for a touchdown. I, I talked about this yesterday, James. I put the back-to-back plays up, and there are some serious similarities on how those plays look to the safeties, to the linebackers, to the defensive line. It's one of the reasons they score a touchdown. There's also maybe an argument that, you know, they're not getting into the right concepts at the right times. In that regard, he's learning. Certainly Vic Fangio, one of the best defensive coaches in the league, might have outcoached Zach a little bit, right? The the Denver defense, for as well as it played against the Bengals, hasn't been invincible this year. They've been really good as a scoring defense, but they've had games when they've given it up, and this just wasn't one of those games. So Fangio had answers for the things that Taylor wanted to do and Callahan wanted to do and Burrow wanted to do, and these guys are all young, and they're still going to be learning in that regard for sure. But when you look at the way the game went, they started with early down passing in this game. And, and I think I talked about this in our post game show, their first down passes early in the game, their first down passing plays, six yard gain, two yard gain, incomplete pass scramble for five yards. Those, those are their early down passes. It, even into the third quarter, before before play action leak and not counting the one play they they took a shot against prevent to get that uh, field goal going into halftime. So you're averaging what? You have a total of 13 yards on four plays. That's pretty pretty bad average yard gain on those passing plays. They're running plays on first down from quarter one to quarter three, specifically against the Broncos average 6.7 yards per carry. And you look at that and it's like, Oh, well, maybe that's why they're running on first down, right? They, they haven't figured out how to deal with whatever they're getting from Vic Fangio. They're looking at these wide receivers when they do run them downfield and they're clamped and you watch the all 22 and they were clamped and they haven't figured out how to penetrate it. Well, maybe that's why they're running the ball. And and they bust off some big runs in the second half. In the third quarter, their first down runs went for 5, 4, 22, 2, and 12. And that 12-yard run comes one play before the touchdown to Tyler Boyd and, and directly sets it up. So mm-hmm. these are parts of it, too, is, is the sequencing. Now, is there more room there to throw the ball on first down and to not fall in love with running the ball on first down because at some point Vic Fangio is going to see that in counterpunch too? Probably. And and that's probably a fair reason to question and be critical. Are they calling the right concepts at the right times on those first down passing plays? But for me, the the lesson that I learned from, from this exercise was when I saw a tweet that said, oh yeah, in the second half, Joe Burrow threw one pass on first down and they threw they, they ran the ball 10 times. Well, at first I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably not a good split. And then you look at it and it's like, oh, okay, I can see why this happened. Just like mm-hmm. you go back to second down in overtime and you see Joe Burrow hurry up to the line and they get a beneficial numbers game on that run to the left side. And even if you disagree with it, you can see why it happened. That running play should have been a chunk play and, and they missed a block. And that's the nature of the running game. But I'm talking think about the 49ers that, game there. I'm just yeah, being sorry. Clear. Yeah, sorry if I misspoke, but the 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 point here is it's easy to look at numbers, it's easy to look at percentages and macro trends. But when you take that extra step and you start to look at what was happening in the game, 
what's the context on that specific play, it's a lot harder for me to draw broad conclusions that Zach Taylor's afraid of trusting Joe Burrow. Like it, it mm-hmm. situationally, you can certainly spin that narrative, but when you look at the individual plays and the games, I, I think it can be a little bit harder at times to say that it's strictly an issue of trusting the quarterback or trusting that your quarterback's not going to get hurt by putting him in a passing situation. And it's just more complicated. That's all I'm saying. No, it is. And I'll tell you, I, I don't think Zach has any lack of, I think the Bengals treat Joe Burrow like he's Peyton Manning. Like, I think they just put everything on him. Now there are games where, especially when Brady was in new England, where they knew, all right, we're going to have to win it with defense and running game. And, you know, maybe our great kicker. And, and I think that's how the Bengals approached the, the Denver game. They weren't like kind of how we strength on strength, wide receiver, secondary. I think they were kind of knowing going in where we don't give a damn about that. And we'll, we'll find our plays, but we're going to try to do it this way. And they did try to get the passing game going on early. I felt like, and it just, it, it didn't. And they're like, fine, we'll play this way. And again, probably starting this Sunday against Baltimore. They're going to have to score and be more explosive and all of that stuff. I think Zach knows that. And, you know, at the same time, uh, the fact that they were able to go to Denver and win, I, I was more encouraged about that in a game like that where it's ugly, where you have this offensive-minded coach that has been accused up until this year, at least, of throwing it too much, got crushed for how much he threw it last year <laughs> and, and put Burrow in those situations. So, Sometimes you just got to escape with a win and they did. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll learn more about Zach each and every week. He'll learn more and uh, hopefully he continues to get better because we have seen improvement. Now, if they lose the next three, will I rip him? Probably. Cause it's going to be on him at some point, I think, cause I think they should win at least two out of the next three. So we'll, uh, we'll see, but overall, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not willing to say he's coaching scared or anything like that. You wonder how different the narrative would be if the Jets game doesn't doesn't happen because that one's just like such a weird defensive meltdown that you would expect the defense against to do to the Jets what they did to the Lions, what they did to the Broncos. The Jets offense isn't any better than those two teams. No, it's it different. Might be worse. But yeah. It's not better. And so that's a weird one for sure. And and Zach, I'm sure had some influence in decision making on defense there, but that that's a weird meltdown on the defensive side of the ball. And then the Chargers game, you wonder, well, maybe if they don't turn the ball over 80 times, this is a there's a different narrative and it's a different game. In the in the 49ers game, you don't muff those two punts. How different does that game look? Right? And so if Sands and Butts or whatever the saying is, right, you, you can't go back in time. But the point is I, I if wonder ands how- and butts, if ands and butts were candy and nuts, then every day would be Christmas. Or something like that. It's almost or, Christmas. Or right snack here. time. It, it, it's snack time every time with Built Bar. Man, I'm a, I'm like a NASCAR driver without the logos on me. Just got to start getting them tattooed on your neck. Man. You hear that, Built Bar? I might do it for a lifetime supply. I, I'll send you. Well, you guys have my address. That's a semi-truck full. Low price. Low, low price for a neck tattoo, James. We're going to learn a lot more about Zach Taylor. He said that he would like to think that coaches can get better too. And he needs to continue to get better because I don't think we've seen enough 
to know that he's the guy. I think he has to continue to improve. I, I don't know that we've seen enough to know he's not the guy. And to your point, James, we'll see how these final three games of the season go against some good opponents in must-win situations. The pressure has been on Zach Taylor and this team since they came out of the bye. And it will remain on them until the end of the season. We're back tomorrow with Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens to begin previewing and looking ahead to what the Ravens will bring to Paul Brown Stadium for the Ravens' final road game of the season. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.